people just started talking about it because I kind of hit that moment, that moment in like social media is so much about timing across all platforms, across whatever you're doing on social media. It is, it's so much about timing and so little of that timing is in your control. And I just happen to get really lucky. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a fire truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. Hey everyone, it's Blake Fletcher, the Half Hour Intern. You may have just noticed there's only about 10 or 11 episodes in this Half Hour Intern feed. The previous 100 episodes from the first year of Half Hour Intern have all been moved into a separate podcast called Half Hour Intern Year One. So if there are any episodes that you didn't get to that you really want to try hearing, or you wanted to spread the word to somebody about an episode from year one and thought it's a new job or a hobby that they really might like or be interested in, um, that's where you're going to find all that stuff. And I would really appreciate it if you guys went and subscribed to that and uh, maybe even left a review with an episode suggestion for somebody new to the show. On to today's episode. In today's episode, I interview Andrew Breedis, otherwise known as Annoying Actor Friend. So Andrew has a, a parody Twitter account, which for those of you that don't know what that is, probably the most popular parody Twitter account is the voice of God, or I'm sorry, the tweet of God. So uh, obviously God doesn't have, or maybe God does have Twitter. Maybe it's actually God. Now that, now that I'm thinking about this, this could actually be God. But anyways, I think it's just somebody with a parody account doing the, you know, the voice of God. Anyways, uh, Andrew has a similar thing called Annoying Actor Friend. He is in the Broadway, or was previously a part of the Broadway community in New York, and he just started to notice these kind of cliche things that different actors in the Broadway community would do on Twitter frequently, and he ended up like blowing up in the Broadway scene in New York on Twitter and getting uh, about 25,000 followers on Twitter, uh, most of which are in the Broadway community, and people just love it. And he's written a couple books um, via Annoying annoying Actor Friend now. And uh, anyways, he goes on to tell us the story of kind of how he grew Annoying Actor Friend, what it's like to blow up on social media, what it's like to be anonymous and blow up on social media because people didn't know that it was him at first. And um, and the whole concept of having this kind of like fake alternate ego thing that ends up becoming this large part of, of who you are. So without further ado, here is Satirical Internet Personality. Andrew, thanks so much for joining me on the show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, um, dude. I'm stoked to hear more about your whole story and like how everything happened for you. I I first found out about like various parody Twitter accounts about like a year ago or something, which is a long time after you had already been doing it. And it struck me as like so interesting at the time. It's like who who makes these accounts and who does this? And we're like, what an interesting thing to do. So since you were like one of the very first people in the game, like why don't you tell us uh, the story about like the genesis of Annoying Actor Friend and like the decision to start it and everything that happened? Uh, sure. Well, first, uh, what you have to have um, uh, if you want to like do a parody Twitter account is a tremendous amount of time on your hands and uh, just nothing to do with your life. And that is like. Once you have that, then you can excel at this. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, so it was 2012 when um, when I started this, uh, and and I'd say like 
at the time, there were a few around. I mean, one notable one, I, I believe Tweet of God was around then. Um, and probably not Tilda Swinton were kind of, and there was this one called like Bronx Zoo Cobra in 2011 about a cobra that escaped from the the uh, the, uh, <laughs> the Bronx Zoo. And it was That's... like snake on the town. And it was all, it was like, I thought it was hilarious because they were all kind of new at that yeah, time. Yeah, totally. And, and things like Not Tilda Swinton, they had decided, oh, we're only going to do this for a small, like 30 tweets and then we're done. Or Bronx Zoo Cobra kind of fizzled after uh, I think they found the cobra. But uh, with, <laughs> so I was kind of sparked, that sparked my interest because at the time I was an aspiring writer and I was working on different writing projects and I kind of wanted some sort of thing I had control on, just have fun, control with, uh, control over, just have fun with and, and play around with on the internet. And so I had tried a couple different uh, uh, parody accounts at the time. Uh, I thought, well, I live in New York. So I tried like Jaded New Yorker and it was just like, somebody saying just just jaded things about new york which is by no means at all a groundbreaking concept so it bombed and then uh the next one was um i was a personal trainer so i did like condescending trainer and it was just a personal trainer saying condescending things about members and and that didn't catch on so uh so i did like two uh, that bombed and then i uh I'm, I used to be an actor, so I'm surrounded by a lot of actor friends on social media and, and I'm still friends with them, still like very much in that group, but I'm no longer an actor. And, but I had noticed that actors by, if you look at social media and the genesis of it, like you're looking at, you know, 04, 05, 06 is like the beginning of Facebook, but you don't start getting until everybody's doing social media on their phone until about 2007, 2008. And then around like 10, 11 and 12 is when we've now had it for a longer period of time where we've all sort of just developed a way that we post. And there was a very specific thing that actors were doing that I had noticed that was just incredibly annoying, just to put it that way. And I had done it too when I was an actor. And it was very much like that. When an actor books a job, it's like if they don't put it online, then it's like they didn't book the job. So it's kind of <laughs> like it didn't exist. It's like that tree falls in the woods thing. I mean, you never, I don't know if, I don't know how business and doctors and lawyers and people are when, on social media. I don't know if they're like standing around going, wow, I just did a triple bypass, you know? You know, like <laughs> I, I don't know if they do that. I don't think that they do. But actors very much have to be like, you know, I just booked this or I just did that. And, uh, and so there was these kind of like these trite statements um, that had sort of uh, evolved. So there was like, when it rains, it pours. That's when you, um, you have so many callbacks for a role and you book so many jobs at once and you have to choose one. And that's like the worst. Cause it's like, you're putting it on social media and all of your actor friends can't get a job, but you're like, Oh my God, I have so many. Um, yeah. In so general, that's also funny because it, you know, most likely the people that are doing this are going to be younger, struggling actors. And the fact that you're just pointing out to all of your other struggling actor friends, like, look, I just got this great job. Like you're just going to be bumming everyone else out. Like, Hey, look how great I I am kind of compared to you right now. Yeah. And that's kind of like, especially what it was then. Cause it, it was, it's, it's, it's great that you, it's great. You want to get that validation. It was kind of before also, this is sort of like Instagram hasn't really kicked in yet. And, um, we have, people haven't really started creating their own brands and needing that validation. It was a weird way of getting validation for something. And I was like, well, that's annoying. Um, the one of them, the other ones was like, the secret really does work. Like when the secret was really big, but like, <laughs> even though that was like 2007, but people were still saying it and like, they're like a secret works. I'm like, no, that's not why you got that job. Um, or like, <laughs> or when you got a job, but you couldn't tell anybody that you got a job. So you'd say like, oh, I have such good news. I wish I could share. And we're like, well, we know you booked something. So what was it? Uh, and so I kind of took, I'd say 
I said, well, that, that sucks. That's annoying. And it, specifically, it had been, I had been kind of like annoyed with it over a period of time. And I'd say, and now again, mind you, I was just the same way when I was an actor. Like I was horrible, but uh, I kind of had grown out of it. Um, so I got like a friend sent me a screen capture of one specific uh, Facebook status that just happened to have all six of the trite statements in it. It was just all of them. So I was like, oh, <laughs> screw this. So, uh, so, so uh, this, this, uh, it was kind of a perfect storm. I wanted to write, uh, do a parody Twitter account. I had a bunch that bombed. This thing happened and I hadn't really seen anybody make fun of this kind of social media, social media behavior in general. I picked a culture. I picked the culture of the actor, specifically the New York actor, but I'm, I'm certain that other other cultures of people have their own sort of way that they post. I mean, sometimes like just saying cats out of the bag is a big thing people are saying now. I'm like, guys, just say what you want to say. Totally. Um, well, but- and all those things that you were talking about, about like, um, like hashtag blessed and like, uh, the secret really works and stuff like that. It, like you're saying about social media culture, or whatever. I think that like all of that is very much like millennial culture, you know? Um, yes. Yeah, of yeah. like, I have this awesome job right now because I believe that the secret works. And like, the reason that you're stuck at your shitty job is because you don't get it, man. And that's <laughs> such well, yeah. like, a, like an alienating, <laughs> crappy attitude to have. Yeah, yeah. It's all just very, it's, and it, it is hard to like, it is, now I've learned now, it's, it's hard when you want to say something that you're proud of and you want to share it with people. And some people are interested in that stuff, but it's the way in which you go about it and like, want to, like, uh, um, one of the new ones is when somebody says like, like say, say like what Hamilton's a big ticket. Say, oh, I got Hamilton tickets, and then I got to go backstage. Somebody will just say, say like, and then sometimes you get Hamilton tickets and get to go backstage. I'm like, no, just say I'm so excited I got to see Hamilton and I went backstage. <laughs> but it's the and then sometimes period period period. Like yeah. I'm like just just like that's the one that kind of skews it to being. Um, uh, smug. I think that's kind of what it is. It's the way in which the postings would sort of be perceived as smug. I th- I think. Yeah, that's and, the perfect word for it. Totally. And and blessed was also not being used ironically in 2012. It was being used for real. And then now people use it ironically. And now I like this. I think using it ironically is passe. So I don't use it in this account anymore. I, I retired it in 2015. I like made a point. <laughs> <laughs> I said we are, we henceforth we will no longer be blessed. We ruined it. Yeah, like which by, is a bummer like, because also like if you're feeling blessed, you should be able to say that, you know. <laughs> yeah, like I'm. Yeah, you should be. I and mean, when using it ironically is is gone. We ruined it. Like like by Felicia, we ruined that for. I mean, we 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 take words as a as a culture and just ruin them sometimes. And uh, so so I what I did is I I that was kind of like the long and the short of why why I made that specific Twitter account at that time, and um, I basically put five or six of those trite statements. I called it annoying actor friend, just called it what it was. And then I used, uh, I, I had learned that you kind of want to have some sort of a Twitter feed presence, like at least five to six tweets. And then I put those up there and then I just started following actors. I followed about three or 400 actors over the course of a night. And then they got the alert that annoying actor friend was following them and they went and saw it and saw what it was. And a good portion of them, people just started talking about it because I kind of hit that moment, that moment in like social media is so much about timing across all platforms, across whatever you're doing on social media. It is, it's so much about timing and so little of that timing is in your control. And I just happened to get really lucky that everybody was kind of getting to that point of noticing this about their friends and their peers and themselves that 
they all followed it back and started talking about it. Yeah, so it was like the, just starting to be in the collective zeitgeist and you you like put the finger on it. Yeah, I'm very lucky on that because it was one of those things that like somebody else could have done the next day. Yeah, yeah. So what did you like expect would happen and what kind of actually happened in terms of numbers and followers and all that kind of stuff? Uh, based on, at the time too, I had my personal account had maybe 200 followers, 250, and I'd had it for three years. I could not get followers. I never had anybody favorite my stuff. Um, so as far as expectations, I thought it'd be so cool. I was saying this to me, it'd be so cool if I could get this to 2000 followers. That'd be so neat. That'd be so wild. And so my, but my expectations were that it would tank because I didn't have my last two Twitter accounts tanked. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I mean, I'll try this because I think it's funny. And I think that's the main point is like, I, I was like, well, I find this funny, so I'm going to do it. And then hopefully somebody, maybe somebody else will, and people kind of gravitated to it. So if I take you through the timeline, a brief timeline of what Annoying Actor Friend was to what it is now, it was first, it was jokes about how actors post online that, and then it turned into sort of jokes about things that were happening in the community. I was like, oh, I'll branch out. And then it turned into... Uh, it branched off into a blog. Um, I'd say there was a TV show on NBC called smash. That was about Broadway musicals that everybody in the community hate watched, um, and blatantly hate watched. And even though they had friends and colleagues in it, they were just like, this isn't like our, our, our career. It's kind of <laughs> like, but like, you know, I'm, doctors have like, they don't, they're like Grey's Anatomy is great. What Grey's Anatomy is. There's a lot of things wrong with it, but you know, they don't, I'm sure they don't, you know, they don't care. Uh, but actors were like, this is our thing. So I, they, I kind of would recap smash and I, that's where I learned sort of to write long form. Um, I'd recap in the character of the character who's like hypercritical of things, um, that in that show. And then it went to like, I wrote a book and then, uh, about the community. And then it went into, when I say activism is there are these things in the book about specific, uh, the union for actors for stage actors is called actors equity association. And, um, there was, uh, when, when you go see a show in your town, um, that's, uh, part of the union, it's a, called a national tour and national touring contracts used to be a really, used to be just where well, actors would go on national tours because that's where they would kind of make their money. And over the course of time, they just kept getting, the contracts kept getting, uh, sort of, a uh, cut down, um, tiered down because producers were saying, well, we're not making as much money on the road. And, I wrote a big piece about that in the book about what touring contracts used to be like. And it was kind of like this sort of like call to action through the character. I put that on my blog and that's sort of when I became sort of an activist face of like the, whatever actor wanted to say that they were angry about with the union, but couldn't say, cause they thought they would get blacklisted. So annoying actor friend became sort of this, mocking jay of some sort or uh where it was like fight the touring contracts you know it was like doing newsies but like for for like broad for like real like well i would say use more like hunger games it was yeah like, that's really interesting sort of, they, so we yeah go yeah, ahead they sorry turned, they turned into that and so that was just basically that turned into me um spreading awareness about like things that are happening in the union and sort of being the voice of people who could didn't think they could speak out and that's why I say it went into activism there. And then I would do that. And then I would go back to writing drinking games about the Oscars. So it was always like kind of like <laughs> mixing it up. Yeah. Andrew, let's talk a little bit more about your, uh, about your story and starting everything out. So first of all, what was, I think a lot of people, when they see a, uh, somebody on social media that has a ton of followers, 
They would either A, assume, like you said, that uh, maybe they're fake or something like that. But if the followers are real, they would probably assume that there was just kind of like one single thing that made them blow up. And like it was all on the strength of that. So in the course of maybe one week, you would go from 1,000 to 10,000 followers. Was it actually like that for you or was it just kind of like a slow and steady growth the entire time? It did not blow up for me in that way. It was a steady growth. I had about 2,000 followers in the first week. And then from there, it really was just word of mouth because uh, J- next month, July will be four years. So it was always kind of like a steady growth of like 5,000 a year, I'd say, or a little bit more. Okay. Um, it was really about building that audience, like 100 followers at a time. Yeah. Sometimes I'll get a pop of like 300 in a day. And then, it, and then I lose those over time because any of the people that you get all at once, they're not going to be, they didn't find you. They found you because of a news thing that came out or um, something of yours that went viral. And then everybody sort of got attention. It's like, oh, I'll follow this. And then they realize that they're not the right, I'm not, they're not the right audience for me. And then they'll unfollow. So if I get a pop of like 300 followers in a day, I know it's going to be three weeks before I see that that level itself out. I'm going to get people unfollowing me every time I tweet. Um, so it always feels like it's the same follower count for like two weeks. And then it finally starts growing again. Mm, that's really good advice and interesting probably for, for people to hear that are struggling like with their own business and trying to grow their followers and stuff like that, that, um, a, it can be something that happens over time and that it's not necessarily the best thing for you to just get some huge explosion of people that are following you. Yeah, I don't think it is. I don't. Th- I think that it also, it's kind of like that anytime somebody becomes a viral sensation and then it goes away, you kind of, you get overly excited about that initial push and that adrenaline. And then you, you might not work as hard at keeping it steady. Like this really did feel like I, I had to keep building it. I had to keep finding new things to do with it, uh, putting new content out there and just being okay with how, how it built. I remember being, again, ecstatic when I had 2000 followers. Yeah. So anything after that was just huge to me. Talk about, so you tried to be an actor before and decided to move away from that, which I, I can't imagine like a more difficult life than trying to be an actor. Like I grew up in the Los Angeles area. So there's obviously a lot of actors down there as well. But, uh, like talk about the actor hustle and like trying to get jobs and like, yeah, just the hustle of that whole community then versus moving into kind of now being an entrepreneur and doing business for yourself and trying to keep things going on social media and that sort of hustle. Do you find one more easy than the other? Um, or, you know, how different are they? I think it's, uh, it's unique to the person and what works for them because for me, uh, I just did the hustle of an actor. I just really hated it. And you have to, I've said this before, but you have to love it when you have to love it when it's hard, whatever you're doing in life, you have to love it when it's hard. Like you may be hating yourself as you're doing it, but if you always have that little voice in the back goes, yeah, but this is so much fun when it's right. Then it's, it's, it's always, then you're doing it right. Then it's, everything's going to work out for you during the hard parts. And when it was, when I was an actor, I only liked it when it was easy. I'd be like, oh, I'll do some, I'll do something as an actor. Somebody gives me a role in something and I didn't really have then it's fun and I like it. But the whole going to an appointment, prepping something for an audition, having people in charge of me, having power over me, that's what it felt like to me. Some, uh, some actors love it. And um, I think that that's awesome. But I couldn't do it when it came to that. With social media, it's very similar. It's still that, that like, well, for one, you can do it all without leaving your apartment. So there's like, <laughs> <laughs> that's like, that's for someone who like me and that's who I was as a kid. I was very like, like I want to stay home 
I didn't like to go out. <laughs> like, so anything that I can do where I don't even have to, I don't have to pick up a phone. It's great, but that's just me. The main, main difference is you're looking for validation as, uh, as an actor, you're looking for validation on social media or whatever it is that you're trying to brand, you're trying to create. But the difference is you always feel you're in power of the personal entrepreneurship, no matter what. No, you're not really waiting on anybody. You put something out there, you see if it sticks, if it doesn't stick, you figure out how to make it better and move on. Whereas when, which can apply also to what you're doing on the outside, but for some reason, when it's the person who doesn't want to cast you, you always, as an actor, no matter, it's never about you as an actor, but it's always going to be about you. So even though you might not get cast as an actor, you think it's because of something you did in reality, you could just have blonde hair and they want brown. Um, whereas, but you're waiting for somebody else to give it to you on so, with this, this kind of um, uh, pursuing it, uh, I'd say pursuing writing this through this route, like another creative venture through this route, I always felt like I was in charge. And I'm going to put this out here, I'm going to put this out there, and then um, we'll see what happens. And then I get to figure out something new to do. So it was more on, on me, I had, I'd say power would be the main thing. I felt like I had more power. Did that also make it more stressful because it is all on you and you felt like you have more power. So then times when things aren't going quite according to plan, does it make that more stressful or are you still just that having more power is better? So example, my first book did very well. So I automatically assumed that the second book would do equally as well. It did like a fraction as well. And I allowed myself, and I spent way more time. It's like four times longer. It's way more in depth. It's just so much more dense. And, but it didn't hit, it didn't catch fire the way that the first one did. And I had worked this book out to be with my outing. So I was like, well, I'm going to out myself on this. And that's, it all worked out and ended up being very positive. But I was like, I'm going to allow myself to give myself a day or two to be upset about this. And I'm going to have to move on. And so I moved on very much quicker from what I would consider. I would consider that a failure in comparison to the first book, but you just kind of have to go, well, it's still fun what I'm doing and just, you know, I'll try to learn from why this didn't work. Yeah. I guess it sounds like when you're doing, when you switch to doing your own thing and having more power over what you're doing, it's like, you have more eggs and more baskets. It's not like when you go out to, to audition for a show, it's like there's so many emotional eggs in one single basket, you know, um, yeah. versus with your social media thing and then writing and whatever. It's like, there's always another post. There's always another thing you can write. There's always like something else. So it doesn't, you don't end up like so emotionally committed to one thing. Yeah, exactly. There's always, there's always something you can, you can do next. And, and taking what I learned as a, as an actor and being like, well, that it isn't about you. I don't think that people thought this book was worse. I don't, I just don't think it, it caught the attention the same way. And if I could ever learn how one thing goes viral and another thing doesn't, I mean, the studies that are being done on Chewbacca mom are insane. But like, like why one thing hits and another thing doesn't, I don't know. That's why I always say any, be prepared for at any moment, anything you put online to go viral because <laughs> you just don't know. Yeah. Uh, um, and you could have a hundred followers and get on a plane, tweet something, get on a plane and get off and you've lost your job as uh, Justine Sacco learned three years ago. Um, do you know that story? Yeah, totally, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, things can go either way for you very quickly. Yeah. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's talk about just the concept of having like a fake parody personality and like a, 
quote unquote fake business therefore and stuff. Did that ever feel strange to you that like your time is going into this thing that's not you per se? <laughs> like it's not real. Like I mean, it's real, but it's not. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't real. It was like I was catfishing myself, but in a career way. It was like uh, because I had my day job, and I it was very much like a Batman, uh, a Batman Bruce Wayne situation because it was this thing I couldn't talk about, but I had to that I was doing. So I, you know, I would I devote all this time to it, but I could never talk about what I was doing, and 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 actually that became a very interesting study if you go back to what I was originally satirizing, which was people who hum, essentially the base term is like the base of it all was people who humble, humble brag, humble bragging on social media about accomplishments. So over time I started getting really exciting accomplishments or at least exciting to me and I couldn't share them. So I learned that the very thing I was using to make fun of this was actually stopping me from doing it. So that kind of got, for me, it did get tedious because I was like, I want to, I want to kind of talk about this fun thing that's happening or that that did you talk with your close friends about it or like no one knew yeah, about this? um over time i'd say by the i mean over there was always i think what i would I, what i did is like if if something big happened if i had sort of a quote-unquote viral moment i would usually out myself to one person so my close friends knew within the first year and then i'd say there'd be somebody who i knew that didn't know i did it and then i would i would like i would tell them in a way that i'd say quote a organic way that that uh made sense for me to tell them and i like that would kind of satisfy that in inner like need for attention yeah <laughs> just tell, totally tell or one it, person it's just so weird to have this secret that no one knows like what i would imagine that fairly frequently it would happen where either someone would tweet at you or something would even get brought up when you were like in person around people and they would bring up annoying actor friend and have no idea that it was you doing it. And that's got to be a really weird experience where you just want to like be like, oh, guys, that's me. But like, you just can't say anything. It, it, it is really weird. And it only luckily happened maybe, I'd say maybe less than five times it happened because I'm just not always in those circles. If I was like working in the community, if I was working in a show, because I knew it used to happen in back, it used to happen all in backstage at, you know, half the Broadway houses at some point I would hear from a friend who knew it was me saying, Oh yeah, the other day they were talking to the dressing room. Like, who is it? Do we know who it is? But because I was working so, so independently 30 blocks up from Broadway in a completely different field, it never really came up. And when it did, it would kind of be more like a ha ha. That's funny. I can't tell them, but it just, cause I wasn't surrounded by it that much. There was more, the opposite. The other thing that would happen is I would kind of like see people in the community that, that I did not know as me, Andrew Bradis, but I had interacted with as annoying actor friend, and I would go to say hi to them, and I realized I, oh, you don't know them. <laughs> and oh, that that- yeah, yeah, of course. So that would happen a handful of times, but uh, but overall, it, it it wasn't as big of a problem as it would have been if I were. <laughs> so an you actor. would just act like overly friendly with them or something, and they would just oh. be like, "Who is this guy that I like? Don't even know acting like this." Yeah, it'd be like that, or I'd say like, um, and then you start to feel like a creeper. You're like, ah, I just feel weird. But I, I think I said something like, like uh, I just would be like, uh, oh hey, with well, oh no, wait, no, you don't know him. <laughs> it'd be like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, you, you just seem like a totally person. crazy person. Yeah, uh, yep, yeah, definitely many times. So. Uh, as I guess I already mentioned earlier, a couple months ago, we had the um, influencer marketer uh, interview on the show. 
what you did would be the influencer portion. So, however, you were very early on in all of this. So I don't know how much like the influencer game had really come about. Like, how often did you have any Broadway related companies um, hitting you up to be like, hey, can you post about this thing or or, you know, whatever it is, take a photo with this? Um, it didn't, I, it, what's very interesting is that I, uh, being the whole anonymity part specifically just for the, uh, maybe it was, I don't know if it's just because it was broad, the Broadway industry or where, or if it would be across all platforms or every industry, but the whole being anonymous was kind of like repellent to everybody just so nobody would come to me about anything. Even if I had a newsworthy thing, for example, they dim the lights of Broadway when somebody prolific in the community dies and they dim all the lights of the Broadway shows at a certain time, right before curtain. And when Joan Rivers passed away, the, the league of producers, the, uh, made it, made a statement saying, we're not going to dim the lights for Joan Rivers because she doesn't qualify. But I don't think anybody asked them. They just made a statement and people were like, Oh, well, Joan Rivers, had a Tony nomination or wrote a Broadway show or used to pay for all of her tickets and go to every Broadway show and was one of the biggest community uh, influencers for Broadway. And why don't you dim the lights for her? So I started a campaign called like Dim for Joan. And I started that and pushed it and pushed it. And by the evening and going into the next morning, they had completely reversed their decision. So when that made it into the news, I was nowhere to be seen like annoying actor friend was nowhere to be seen because who are you going to go to? Is the New York times going to go to this anonymous person and say anonymous blogger? They just ignored it. It had, and that happened a lot that happened with the actor's equity contracts. Um, I couldn't get quoted anywhere. They would ask people would come to me for, for information, but then I'd get to the, the, the journalist would come to me. And then when the piece would come out, I was gone. Yeah. They it. would want to so, use your name and they couldn't. And yeah. Yeah. So if anything, it kind of repelled when I outed myself, all of a sudden it's like I got quoted in like the Associated Press and another thing for something I did um, uh, a couple, like a month ago, I was offered press tickets to like six Broadway shows this year without soliciting them. So it happened when I outed myself and because it was like, oh, well, we can go to this person because he's not anonymous anymore. And we, we, now we know what this person is and we assume he's not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> what an interesting <laughs> um, difference. Yeah, it was weird. Uh, but I mean, I was thankful to go to the shows. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now that I say that, that that's happening now that I'm out. Good, man. That's uh, well, damn, there's a lot of like good advice just like sprinkled throughout this whole interview. So I guess that would be another oh, piece that you. if you want to be able to have any sort of business opportunities through social media, it, it can't really be a, a weird parody anonymous account. Or if you if it is a parody account, somehow you still have to be accessible through it. Yeah, there's so many great parody accounts out there and they're usually attached to somebody. I, I don't know if there's any huge anonymous who is this person doing this um and and if by the way if it's if it's somebody who's got like a million followers and you don't know who it is you know that person's a celebrity or something because they just don't care yeah totally like because they just they don't need it so andrew how like repeatable replicable do you think this whole process is now like very early on in the interview you mentioned the the accounts that you had tried to create before annoying actor friend and the reason that you said that you didn't think that they really took off is because they weren't very like groundbreaking concepts. Like, you know, there were kind of other things like it, but there wasn't really anything like annoying actor friend. And it was very, very timely annoying actor friend. Do you think 
that in general, like parody accounts have kind of like jumped the shark and like that ship has sailed? Or do you think that people could repeat what you did now? I think there's always there's always a place for a really, really great joke. Like I see one now called Honest Ostrich and all it does is tweet really like, oh, obvious ostrich. Obvious ostrich just tweets really obvious things and it's hilarious. And I don't know how new or old that is. There's always something, I think a place for something like that, especially if you're like trying to just flex your muscles as uh, on Twitter. You, I say, always try something. I think, like I said, Jaded New Yorker wasn't a groundbreaking idea. And Condescending Trainer, I think now falls into... I think Annoying Actor Friend would go the route of Condescending Trainer if I were to do it today, and this is why. Condescending Trainer, I followed personal trainers. And personal trainers on social media at that time, and personal trainers on social media now, are very much internal. It's about self-promotion as a trainer. So when they saw something following them, they didn't follow it back because they're like, oh, great, I have more followers. That's my guess, because I could not get a follower to it. Um, Annoying Actor Friend piqued actors' interests because of the title, and... I think now actors are more conscious about who they follow. Uh, they're much more about their brand than they were four years ago. So I think that I would have trouble getting followers to my account because people are like, they're like, oh, I'm only going to follow 112 people or something. I, I, I don't think Annoying Actor Friend would take off, that, take off the way it, thank you, take off the way it did then just because I think actors are not paying attention. I think people are, I noticed it with the retweets. I started noticing it with retweets first. Um, I, you know, you people aren't retweeting as much as they used to because, well, they want their own content on the feed. So when you go to somebody's feed, you see their content. You don't want to see a bunch of other people's retweets. So retweets aren't even a big thing, as big a thing as they used to be. I think three, four years ago. Yeah, people are much more savvy, but savvy in this like very fake and kind of shitty way now, you know, where they're paying attention to these things that maybe they shouldn't be paying attention to, but they feel the like they have to. Like like you said, like maybe if I retweet this thing that I find funny by annoying actor friend, I don't get hired on my next acting job because it offended the director that I, you know, like you never know. Yeah, that's completely a whole other thing. It's like it's it's and another reason I feel like I've been sort of able to get away with some of the stuff. And also, I don't skew mine towards mean. I say some biting stuff. But if anybody were to come to me and say, hey, that was really rude or I thought I was offended by that, I would say, well, this was what that satire was and this is what it meant. And I can explain it in a way that isn't like I just wanted to make a joke about somebody because it's never that because I think that that's boring. Yeah. Um, totally. So I try I try to make it something else. And by I mean, some of my tweets look really dumb and some of them are really dumb. Uh, but uh, I, yeah, another person might like see, oh, an, an annoying actor friend tweet on an actor's thing and be like offended by it. And then that person, you're because a retweet is an endorsement of somebody else's statement. So you have to feel strongly about it to endorse it. And I think people are a little bit more cautious than they used to be. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that's, so that's why I say I don't think I could have done annoying actor friend today in the same way. But I do, I do believe that there's a, always a place for something like that in any sort of community if you can kind of grab, find the handle and just grab onto it at yeah. the right time. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, God, timing is just so important. It's insane. What, um, what and actually, I guess on that, like what, what lessons do you think you learned through everything that you did that... I guess apply to more like marketing as a whole and are more like overall business and marketing lessons. 
Um, I think it's all about having a clear understanding of what you're, who you are and how you're trying to represent yourself. And, and which is something as an example, I didn't have as an actor, I marketed myself as I, I, I marketed myself completely wrong and you can apply this to other things, but say as an actor, a headshot is what, you know, is what people are, think they're buying. And then you walk into the room and they expect to see what they're trying to buy from you. My headshot said one thing and I will walk into the room and be a completely different thing. My headshot said broody guy and I come in and be a complete nerd. And I was sabotaging myself because I didn't know how to market myself there. And I think that with what I do on social media is like, I, okay, what am I trying to get across? How am I, uh, is this my, the best version of, of what I'm trying to offer? And does that like fit in? It's like paying, it's paying attention, but not paying, paying too much attention that you're, you're driving yourself nuts. When I was anonymous, I had a lot of slip ups on my personal account and occasionally on the annoying actor friend account, or I would leave little nuggets or I'd leave little eggs to flip my identity. And nobody ever caught onto it, at least publicly. And that's where I learned just that, you know, a hundred, nobody's paying a hundred percent of attention to what you're doing a hundred percent of the time. Now that's not to say go be an idiot and do something, you know, say something like, like say something wrong or something that's racist or something that's like make a huge mistake, but that to not over, it taught me how to not overthink everything that I was putting out there. Big, uh, it just taught me to sort of like be a little bit more free. And mm. I think that when you're more free and you're more um, casual, people gravitate to that more, I believe. And I think that it's just, I think it's about building sort of like a, a personality that people want to hang out with or think it, or just kind of like reminds them of them or something like that. And isn't so stringent and corporate. Uh, yeah, and, totally. If you're second guessing everything that you're doing, then everything's probably going to come out in a very like vanilla bland sort of way. Yeah. You kind of have to have like that. You have to take yourself, you have, you have to, you have to take your, 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 your work seriously, but not yourself. And I think that that's kind of a, a nice way of like finding that happy medium. Uh, and I, and I, I feel like I learned a lot of that by doing that, uh, doing this, like this process. That is a uh, that is a great quote right there. I I love that. Um, let's oh, let's wind this thing down, Andrew, with uh, with like one last piece of advice for people. Which, like I said, there's been like so much great advice through this whole thing. But um, if you just want to like distill everything down, if there's anybody out there with their own business um, or anything really, and they would like to get more like brand recognition on social media, is there any sort of like advice that we can give people like that or is it there's so much just like luck and timing involved so who knows i mean it's it's the trite don't give up but it really is it's do you like what you're putting out there are you would you fall would you follow this account i think that's it would you follow your business's account are you in because you're obviously interested in what you're doing so you want to find people who are interested in what you're doing who are, who are like-minded but would you follow this account if you weren't running it and I think that that would be uh, probably the like the the greatest. I mean, the, not the greatest, but the most concise advice I'd say. That and I do believe that with all these different platforms and it keeps changing, all the social media is ever evolving. I definitely do believe that there's still 
where you can still stand out. You can still create something new. Uh, people are still interested in content. And I think the consistency in your content and just keeping it going. And honestly, I the long game, play the long game with it. Don't get frustrated if something doesn't catch fire. The people will come to you if you believe in what you're, you're putting out there. Dude, I love that, man. That is that is great advice. And you have me totally rethinking the like or thinking that I need to go and check out all my own social media again. Like I said, I'm not a big like social media person, <laughs> so I need to uh, maybe start making some better content. Um, oh, awesome, Andrew! Well, you're why making don't, great content. You're making <laughs> this content's great. Yeah, thank you very much, man. I appreciate that. Why don't you, um, if anybody out there is an actor or interested in Broadway, let us know where we can find you at. Um, I am annoying actor friend is at actor underscore friend. If you just type into Twitter, annoying actor friend, I'll pop up. And then my name is Andrew Bradis. I'm on there as at Andrew Bradis, A-N-D-R-E-W-B-R-I-E-D-I-S. And that's pretty much my name on all other social media platforms, but I don't do Snapchat. It's just not happening. I'm just, <laughs> my, here's my guess about timing. Uh, Hey, Hey, all y'all us in our early thirties, we killed Snapchat. Just so you know, the kids are going to start running away from it real soon. Yeah, it's like <laughs> everything else. Yeah, totally. I, yeah. I have I have a feeling that all like the next generation of kids is just going to have this like anti-technology movement and they're just not even going to want to have phones or anything. I fully, fully would agree with that. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked yeah. at all. Uh, yeah. Um, so, so enjoy the golden age, guys, that we're in right now. <laughs> yeah. Andrew, <laughs> thanks so much, man. We really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. Hey everyone, it's Blake. Hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you're sitting there thinking to yourself, man, I wonder how I could help Blake out. First of all, you are probably the nicest person in the entire world. Secondly, all you have to do is just tell a friend about the show. I would really appreciate it. If you're sitting there and thinking, man, my job is really interesting, or man, I do this totally badass hobby. I should totally be on this show. Then you totally should be on the show. Just reach out to me on halfhourintern.com, my website. You can email me through there. And uh, if there is another job or hobby that you don't do, but you just want to hear about it, you can submit any sort of idea through the Submit Your Ideas link on the page. Thanks again for listening. Take care.